Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to uh, Geekscape episode 54. This is the second episode of our second year. Um, I'm here in Austin celebrating the holidays with my family. I've got my good friend Brent Moore, who is a scapist like you guys. Uh, if you're on the Geekscape forums, you can find him. His uh, username is Kaiser Sose. Kaiser Sose. Big film guy. Um, we're also going to be joined by my ha- brother-in-law, uh, Mr. David Heath. That's his hand waving right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and and David is a huge, probably the biggest gamer I know. And you guys are thinking, oh yeah, I'm gonna take his ass out on Xbox Live. It's not that kind of game. Uh, David, for real, has been keeping it real for how long? Have you been playing uh, board games and, and uh, miniatures? Uh, well, games total. Uh, games gosh, total. Well, if you want to start with the early role playing phase. Um, Probably began second grade, so God, I don't even uh, so know since, how long that was. <laughs> since second grade, and uh, David's been playing uh, board games, and I know that Xbox Live and some online places have allowed you to play things like Settlers of Catan, uh, Carcassonne. Carcassonne? Carcassonne. Calzone? Carcassonne. Carcassonne. Yeah, Carcassonne. Uh, but yeah. you guys play it all like, he, he actually plays it on a board, so it's not like that. With you guys who like to play it on Xbox Live, get with the times where man. you can talk trash uh, and not have to back it up. If I talk trash in a board game, the guy's gonna grab like his little uh, like tin orc and shove it in my face and try and cut me with it. So that that's the danger. You can be a little punk on Xbox Live, but David Heath brings it for real. He's a big guy. If you talk Let's some see. smack across the board, he's gonna take a twelve-sided <laughs> die and shove it up your ass. He's been known. Well, and, and my sister Michelle, she basically got warned that if she continues that kind of language, she's going to get kicked off the uh, what website? Hmm? What website? Oh, I don't know what website. Settlers of Catan Settlers website. Of Catan, yeah, yeah. She, she's a little more aggressive than I am. So she makes me look she's talking time. trash. On she's the talking of trash. Catan she website. On the, yeah, like on the on the on the forums, I guess. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Yeah. So I've got gaming in my blood uh, here. So let's start with <laughs> this is Geekscape. In case you just listen to that whole little diatribe and don't know what I'm talking about, this is a podcast that's movies, video games, and comics. And board games. And we're going to be talking board games today. Um, and uh, every week we try and do some news, we try and do some reviews, and uh, basically just bring you guys the latest. I thought he was a, uh, an expert, Jacob. I'm Jacob? Or Jacob, why did I call you Jacob? <laughs> Jacob was my last awesome guest. You're yeah, Brent. Yeah, yeah. Brent uh, works in, uh, in film distribution and exhibition, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be talking some movies. Now, Brent called me and said, hey, man, what movies are we talking about this week? And I said, well, uh, I went to see Alvin and the Chipmunks. And he's like, cool, I can rush out and get it. And I was like, no, no, no we're literally. I, I was, I was going to submit myself to gonna it. You were going to take one for the team. I was. Just to show solidarity to the Geekscape crew. Which is what this is about. But uh, Laura and I took a friend of the family's uh, kid. He was six to see Alvin and the Chipmunks last Sunday. And this is a movie which, uh, I guess you got, um, who do you have in this movie? Um, Jason, Jason Lee, Lee, David Cross. David Cross. And Jason Lee plays Dave Seville, Dave Seville, the down-and-out musician. David Cross is a good friend of his from college who's now a big record exec and not as good a friend anymore. But he's willing to give Dave a chance if he can get him a hit song, which he can't. When these three chipmunks show up, They've got the talent. They've got the uh, gimmick. They can be big stars. And so uh, Dave has to fight 
his former best friend from corrupting the uh, the chipmunks and turning them into gazillionaires and Britney Spears type celebrities. And it is a cute little movie. Okay. Uh, if you want to take a kid, for those of you out there who have kids, I think your kids would enjoy it. It's better than a, like an underdog or uh, some of the other talking animal movies. It's actually um, better than underdog. Yeah, it's kind of a cute movie. Okay. Like uh, Jason Lee kind of fa- like faxes it in a little. Yeah, you can tell. He, he hams it up a little bit. Yeah. But uh, it's a likable movie. David Cross is entertaining. You guys know exactly what you're expecting going into this movie. It won't give you too much more. But it won't make you feel like you wasted the afternoon. Uh, I, I thought for taking a kid to see this movie, mm-hmm. it's exactly what I wanted. It's exactly what it was. And uh, it ended right about the right time. So all the families being dragged to it over Christmas aren't going to just be tortured? No, no. This is not uh, the golden dumbass, <laughs> which is what a lot of families might be dragging themselves to. Waste of time. Won't be happening. No uh, sequels. David talked about possibly going to see the Golden Dumbass, and I said, the, "You are out of the family." Here's the thing, though. That movie, like, it's set in such an interesting world. Like, I would have liked to have seen it continue, but just it's like it bombed. And like Aragon. You want to see more family, more, more no, fantasy films? No, no, no. Aragon was awful. I don't think there was a good Aragon. Basically, took my soul and raped it. Yeah, Aragon was horrible. <laughs> it was painful to watch that movie. And I love how, like, John Malkovich, you could tell he was on set for, like, half an hour. Yeah, John Malkovich, get him in here, put him up against the red <laughs> yeah. curtain, and uh, say, say your dialogue. Can I just make it up? Yeah, sure, do it. <laughs> um, so, Alvin and the Chipmunks is light, fair, and maybe what you want. That's fine. I think it's worth noting that uh, a member of our forums, Will... Will K? Yeah, he actually did some of the uh, computer animation on Alvin and the Chipmunks. I was impressed, Will. Good job. Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to take his word for it. was cool, it. you know? I mean, I spend so much time with, like, Hank and Cheese and Rufus, uh-huh. like, our little dogs that... And uh, basically, this, this is what my day looks like. Like, like usually I'm writing or I'm editing uh, or I'm on the phone. I, I work out of the house um, or I'm cutting Geekscape, talking to you guys on the forums. And uh, I've only got the dogs as company, uh-huh. <laughs> so I talk to them. And, and if That's you guys awesome. have seen my Christmas photos, you know yeah. that I dress them up. Yeah. Uh, so Laura turned. She said, "Hey, do you want to take uh, Nico to see Alvin and the Chipmunks and give you know her parents a little bit of a break, his parents a little bit of a break, and take him to see a movie, which is fine." And I said, "Sweetie, in all honesty, mentally, I think dogs and animals can actually talk, and I don't know how detrimental a movie where they do <laughs> talk is going to be to my reality. Because right. there are times when I'm like, shit, like they're like." You know how, like, in a movie, like, Alvin and the Chipmunks or Underdog, a talking dog, is the cute thing? Uh-huh. I'm starting to see it as a norm. Like, like, awesome. like it's no more weird than an actor speaking okay. to you. So, uh, here in 20 years, when they're making the, the biopic of Jonathan London. No. The, the only way that that's going to happen is if, like, I kill somebody and do something well, crazy. Well, go for it. If I he... do something OJ style. Yeah. But I have to, like, get OJ popularity and then do something. I have to go beyond OJ because I'm not as popular as OJ. Right. I gotta do it. I gotta do something like satanic, yeah. <laughs> you know, because uh, I'm nobody. We'll brainstorm. I mean, if if I have some success somehow, mm-hmm. and they do a biopic, what, what are you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say, uh, would you like to hire Will to do the computer animation on Hank and Cheese? Because no real dog's gonna be able to capture it. <laughs> there is a like. Uh, so you guys know that I've been working on a presentation for television and. Uh, somebody asked me I had the guys in Sweaty Robot Read my script Because uh, we're getting ready to shoot um, 
Which is cool because we got everything locked before the strike, and mm -hmm. now the strike is kind of killing our competition. Yes. When the strike ends, people are going to be very hungry to see things, and we're going to be here with our little presentation, and and uh, the people at the studio are, are happy about it, and they're excited about it. And, he, and they were like, what's the core cast? And I said, well, there's four people, uh -huh. four regulars, uh, an animated character, okay. an eight-year-old version of one of the characters who he sees like in mirrors mm -hmm. and in, in old photos and stuff, and then there's a there's Cheese, which is my dog, uh -huh. but uh, he's the only one with superpowers, <laughs> and <laughs> so and, and he can act. You know what I mean? So uh -huh. like he doesn't talk in this in, in this in the the series, but he has the only superpowers, which uh, you know the series about being single, which is what I'm scared of most in the world. Uh -huh. And uh, his powers are that he can smell STDs. That's so awesome. like, if you're a single guy yeah, and you're stuck you're with a dog and you're like, what the why hell, not? why do I, I don't want a dog, I, I, wanna, I want women, and you're stuck with this dog and, and you hate it, what do you want? You want a dog that's going to be like your personal tester. You know? Not to ruin the, your pilot, but how exactly does the dog inform the owner? <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, like when my dog is pissed off at me, I oh, know it. Okay. You know why? Because there's a giant like stain on the floor or something okay. or like someone gets bit. So if he just you know, pisses all over the place, you're like, avoid that chick. Uh, no, you, usually it's very vocal, and okay. it's like, you know. I um, want to thank you, by the way, for introducing me to this uh, uh, You are tea. drinking the, the Crystal Light peach tea. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, so if you guys want something a little more challenging to watch in the cinemas, Gilmore and I went to an advanced screening of this movie. It's called There Will Be Blood. It's an adaptation loosely of the early portions of the book Oil, which is about the Texas uh, oil industry. And um, you've got Daniel Day-Lewis. The movie starts out in the hills of uh, West Texas, and he's in the he's in like a uh, a mine, mm -hmm. and he's getting quartzite. He's mining for quartzite so he can sell it to melt into glass and make some money and build up different parts of this little hole that he's been digging in. Yeah. And he's got a full beard. It's Daniel Day-Lewis, so you know the performance is tight as hell, and it's P.T. Anderson, so the camera work is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very minimal. You know how, like in movies with, uh, uh, you got Boogie Nights. You've got um, he did he did it a lot in the Adam Sandler movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love, yeah. where he does these one take masters, mm -hmm. where he takes like a steady cam and he floats through the scene, following yeah. a guy outside, goes back in. Um, this has fewer of those one take masters, uh -huh. um, and a lot more just stage blocking camera, so that those pushes and those movements really hit you yeah, it means something. And, and they work to build the tension because this movie is a three hour exercise in the building of tension um, this guy starts in a hole he's digging the rocks he gets enough money to build it up and he gets some more people involved hires mm -hmm. them and they, they they strike oil you've this is 19 this is 1898 the movie flashes forward a couple years and now they they have you know they had the success they, they turn that little bit of success into more drill, drilling, mm -hmm. more oil wells. Ultimately, a kid comes to him, played by Paul Dano, and yeah. he says... Little Miss Sunshine kid. Little Miss Sunshine dude, the, the kid who... the brother. And, uh, and also Klitsy from yeah, <laughs> Girl Next Klitsy. Door. Um, so he comes to Daniel Day-Lewis and he says, If you give me money, I will tell you where the oil spills out of the ground. And he basically sells out his family's ranch. It mm -hmm. says, my family lives on a piece of land where I know there's oil. And gives them the money, he gives them the location, 
Daniel Day-Lewis goes with his son, he explores, and um, yeah, there's oil there. And now there's the process of him dishonestly kind of working his way into the community mm -hmm. to get filthy, filthy rich. And it's one of those big, epic rise and fall stories. It, but it's so worth watching, and it's so well done, and the performance is exquisite. And even now that like I'm telling you that it's Daniel Day-Lewis's character's son, right. even that is not completely true. Everything in this movie has different uh, facets to it, you know? Yeah. So I think that the initial trailer, where it was just, uh, just the Daniel Day-Lewis monologue, was just so good, like I said, building tension. And if that's carried out through the movie, then right on. It is. You guys who liked them as like Bill the Butcher in Gangs of New York thought that was a kick-ass performance. Imagine a performance that well done and well pieced together and that complete in a movie that actually supports the performance because Gangs of New York had a lot of inconsistencies. Gangs of New York was a mess of a movie. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't like Gangs of New York, but mm -hmm. if you're going to see somebody's mess, at least it's Scorsese's yeah. mess. It was an Does interesting mess, sense? but it was a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is this is a tight movie throughout. Be ready to spend three hours in a the theater. Be ready to spend a little bit of patience waiting for the explosions that are going to happen between these characters. So uh, it's definitely one of, where would I put it in my tops of 2007? It's definitely in the top ten. Top five is pretty crowded. Um, but as far as like performers I want to see actually get the Oscars, I think right. it's, it's him and like Javier Bardem. Right. Like... You know, those guys, those of you who've seen uh, No Country, love that performance. This is a performance that's just as good. So I think one of those two guys will probably be the dudes who end up with like the Oscar. Almost every week in this kind of season, every year, like a new movie will come out and be like, that's the one that's going to win Best Actor or Best right. Picture. Like every week it's the new one. That's it's how it is. It's fresh in people's minds. But then February rolls around and you're like, fuck yes, crap. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like January and February. Uh, there are some interesting movies coming in January this year, though. You well, got you've Rainbow got Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Uh, I think um, it's, a, it's a weird spot for a dumping ground. The know? thing is, like, like it's kind of like August. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you've got May, June, July, and those are like when you get the Spider-Man threes, the Iron Mans, yeah. the kick-ass tentpole movies, Dark Knight, whatever Mission Impossible. Mm. And um, and then you've got like the August movies where they kind of put movies like Stealth, yeah, which just aren't going to win those those weekends. And then you've got movies that they're trying to slide under the radar, uh, like an American Pie, uh, which was successful with an August Super release. Bad Super year. Bad had an, a huge release uh, this year. And then uh, Sixth Sense. Yeah. Would Sixth Sense have played that well for that long if, if it, it had competing. gone up against? Yeah. What was the bigger another big movie from that summer '99? Blair Witch was another one that kind of crept in there and yeah. had a long life. Matrix was, Matrix was spring of 99, I think. But, it, I mean, people yeah. watched it. Uh, and now you start to see March turn into that um, with things like 300. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you start to see, like, March and April kind of be the, the prep. And, right. and, like, that movie uh, Wanted that was based on the graphic novel. Got, nothing got, like the graphic novel. Right, and it got moved from March. Mm-hmm. I guess the studio really liked it. They moved it from March to July. It looks cool. A lot of people were kind of shitting on the trailer, and uh, I'm I'm down for wanted. I think it looks interesting. Yeah, I'm 100% okay with it, it. With with the graphic novel being its own thing mm -hmm. and the movie being its own thing, and hopefully they can coexist and they're both equally satisfactory. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I was satisfied. Have you seen uh, Night Watch and Day Watch? The I have. 
Russian, what do you think? It's crazy fucking Russian shit. Yeah. See, because like, that's the I, guy I, doing Wanted. And that's and fine. I think I think visually those are very fun movies. They're silly as hell. Right. But, like, I don't know. Like, I think if he can maintain that visual sense. Am I, like, screwing up something? No, I'm, I'm trying to gauge the distance of your mic. Am I and, down? And I don't know. Like, like he sounds fine, Dave, right? He sounds fine. The, the levels are fine. He's, just, he's eyeing my chest. And I'm trying yeah, to I'm what's looking going at it. I'm like, hmm, no, no, because if I put it here, we're just going to get your whiskers. Like, that little whisker, you hear that? And, yeah. uh,. And, uh, yeah, I didn't find those movies to be, like, narratively as, ex- like, accessible. Yeah, they, they, were, they were silly, and, and kind of, they were messes as well. But Do you think that was in the translation? In the, the, I, don't, I don't think so. I can't imagine that movie making sense in Russian. If that dude did a Tetris film, you think it would be, be <laughs> a badass? Tetris film? I would go see anybody do a Tetris film. <laughs> How would you adapt tri- there Tetris? Was a, no, there was actually, um, for those of you who read Penny Arcade... Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you're down I, with it. No, I, I like Penny Arcade. I think uh, it's funny. A year or two ago, they had a, a kind of spoof on, I think it was when Michael Bay announced that he was going to do Transformers. But they had this uh, Michael Bay doing a Tetris, and it had these Tetris blocks just like blowing up buildings and stuff. It's funny. It was, yeah, like I'd go see it. I think um, they, they, there's a, an adaptation that they announced this week. I definitely think it's going to be one of the better movies ever made. Uh, it's the adaptation of Tekken. <laughs> yeah <laughs> And uh, the director who's doing it I don't even know his name But I know he did Anaconda 2 Quest for the Blood Orchid Which Diamond so good So good Did you actually see that? I, I actually saw You piece my, of garbage No here's what Like my, uh, my ex-roommate uh, Clifton Yeah what's up Clifton Way to pick him uh, Like loves 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 horror movies And so we would sit And just watch I mean we would sit And have like trauma marathons Dude that's know? a gauntlet It's a total gauntlet and uh, and we we uh, we tortured ourselves with anacondas too. And how was it? It was it was awful. And, uh, <laughs> but you do get to see a giant anaconda like mating ball. What, what does that mean? It's like multiple. It's all anacondas? these anacondas like screwing in a giant writhing ball, and they have to like jump over this pit with this these fucking anacondas in it. You know Gilmore just like put that on his Netflix. Oh yeah. yeah, he's like oh animals fucking. I'm there. Uh, that's how he. That's how he works. I kind of miss him, Gilmore. I'm here in Texas. I kind of miss you. It, it's weird doing a show without um, without Gilmore. Some kind of like it's gonna be weird for the audience. Knee not, not like leaning into like, their car stereo. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> trying to hear what the guy. Where's that little Neob Nub looking guy? Yeah, uh, Neob Nub is the little dude who piloted the Millennium Falcon on the attack of the second Death Star with our good friend Lando. For those of you, good call. You know the great thing about doing Geekscape. Uh huh. Everybody listening was like, I know yeah, they who Neob is. Like, come on. Come There's on. no explanation needed. You can just throw this shit out. falling into a, uh, a pattern. Like, you started year two exactly like you started year one. Well, with Ian, and then, like, the second trip episode. To, uh, awesome yeah, and you're me. on the second episode. But, yeah. but uh, I mean, that's how I live my life. Like, yeah. the promise I wanted to make was that you guys won't ever get a clip show. Yeah. Is what that, I mean, Motherfuckers, I can give you a clip show. No clip shows. <laughs> yeah, I think this is yeah. better than a clip show. No, definitely. But I think you should but make it a theme. Much. Like, you should you should follow year one and copy every. The episode. only problem is I don't want to see the Yanks again. Yeah, and that would mean that that would come be around me. May. I would have to see go to New York. Go to New York. Our, one of our Yanks. more more notorious listeners, Big Yanks, uh. um, in New York. So the Tekken movie, I'm not going to see that. Um, we also have the big, really the big news this week is that Peter Jackson and New Line have totally kissed and made up. Kissed and made up. They're going to. We knew it was going to happen. They're going to do a Hobbit film. Then they're going to make a sequel. A sequel. 
Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh are the executive producers of these uh, two films, but it's still undecided whether or not Peter Jackson is going to direct them. I got to tell you, uh, he's doing Tintin. He's yeah, he's his finishing plate is Lovely full. Bones. Uh, possi- the, you talked about the possibility of Sam Raimi doing it, but he just he signed on to do this uh, Drag Me to Hell, which is kind of like which will a, take him like two weeks to shoot. It, yeah, because it's going to be Evil Dead yeah, style. Yeah, it's going to be totally. It's going to be like Dead kind of a roided up version of an Evil Dead yeah. movie, which I am thrilled about like I think he after Spider-Man 3 which I think everyone universally agrees was crap did you see that Dave Spider-Man 3 oh no I did not okay it, it yeah I think he needs to just like pare down reset the yeah reset the the like get away from the big budget get away from the special effects just like go back to because like the best scene out of all the Spider-Man movies to me is Spider-Man 2 in the hospital which oh, is total wow. even yeah. dead. Like he just needs to do that. That's something that I just didn't get. Like like when they announced when it was discovered that Venom was going to be the, a, a villain in Spider-Man yeah. Two or Spider-Man Spider Three. Man 3. I, I said, I said, okay, now we've got a chance. Like I don't like Venom. Raimi doesn't like Venom. But no. if, but if somebody's going to bring Venom into cinema, mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's it's Raimi because Venom's as much. Uh, like an internal mental villain for, mm-hmm. for Peter as he is a physical villain. Right. You know what I mean? Like he can toss Spider-Man all over the damn place. But they've also got this internal con- connection from him having worn the symbiote. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I could not see how this movie happened where you have to tackle, okay, how do I represent visually in a, in a film Peter's struggle with this thing mentally? In, in this, with Topher Grace's face, in, it, it, well, yeah, and this right. is this is how they show Peter turning bad, not by doing Raimi cam or Raimi flash nightmare type imagery like he does in every one of his movies. Yeah. But by, do it by the dude for cookies, dancing down the motherfucking street yeah. and asking for cookies and doing like a scene from The Mask, yeah. playing a piano. That's that's some. That's how I that, was that, that is how Venom turned you bad. I would want cookies. It doesn't work. Like it just, it, what a letdown. Uh, so yeah, you're right. It's it's time for him to recalibrate, maybe get his uh, his bearings again. Which is movie. why I hope that he doesn't do Hobbit. He doesn't take the big okay. the big budget thing. And uh, I'm actually down because there's a, a rumor going around that Del Toro will take over and uh, direct the Hobbit, which I think would be awesome because I like we were talking about this earlier. I think we've seen Peter Jackson's Middle Earth. And the Hobbit is it feels different than Lord of the Rings, and I think it'd be cool to see someone else kind of bring their vision to it. So I'm down for Del Toro doing the Hobbit. Yeah, um, the the Hobbit was kind of like the book that was my first big boy book. Mm-hmm. I was in fourth grade. My parents had just divorced, and I remember like every summer we used to go to Mexico to spend like at least a month with our grandparents. Yeah. But we would drive down there in like a Subaru, and awesome. I remember my dad giving me a copy of The Hobbit off of this trip, and I remember laying on the on like the luggage in the back of the Subaru, reading The Hobbit, and just like whatever I was going through at the time mm-hmm. with the family, like whatever pain I was in or this and that, like it was such a big part of like bringing me into the love of fantasy and escapism yeah. and Same here. this and that. It's just such an important book, and. Uh, I would be cool with Peter Jackson uh, directing it, but I, I agree that there is a different flavor to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like with the spiders, yeah. and, and, and he actually goes into the feels, Misty Mountain. It feels and it's more dark. fantasy like than Lord of the Rings does. And the, the trolls that turn to stone. Yes, you've got. Um, 
It's not as big, Smog, and it's more dragon with the crystals linear. in his chest. Yeah. What do you think of the possibility of Guillermo del Toro doing the Hobbit? You're a big fucking. You, you love that shit. I love that shit. Yeah, I saw each uh, each of them four times in the theater. I'm I'm a big geek when it comes to Tolkien. You can sit over here, oh, yeah. David. Maybe sure. the mic will pick you up a little bit better. And then no, no. Okay. And then, then when we talk to games, we will switch the mics. Yeah. Just, Just right sit right there, oh, right yeah. there. But you're a big. You love that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to disagree. I really. I want to. I want to see Peter Jackson. Okay. Because uh, I want to see continuity. Consistency. Yeah, I think, I get consistency. Yeah. I think a lot of the Lord of the Rings fans are probably going to be the same way. They're going. That's what their expectation is. Mm-hmm. They saw and they, they liked what they saw in the first three, and I think they're going to want to have the same. Uh, the same vision. There is that side. I, I can't really argue with that either. You yeah. know, if, if Peter Jackson does Peter it, Jackson I will, not... will adapt yeah. it too. Like like like. He knows it's a different flavor. Yeah. He knows it's a different deal. I, I would not be upset at all if Jackson did. I'm just saying it'd be cool to see someone else do it. So, I think that's huge news. Um, speaking of Del Toro, the Hellboy 2 trailer came out. It's not available in a format that I can encode into the, the thing. So, uh, just trust me when I tell you that it looks like Hellboy 1, but there's a lot of Pan's Labyrinth yeah. in it. It's definitely Jackman. more Lovecraftian, more kind of Del Toro. Uh, I got the. Uh, I haven't read the script yet, but I want to, and I'm hoping that. Uh, I'm just hoping that that the things that w- fell short in the Hellboy movie mm-hmm. were just, just because of Del Toro's stature in Hollywood and the fact that he went through this development period for so long with Hellboy, where there were crazy ideas. Like he only turns into Hellboy when he gets mad. Yeah. And like, guys, we were lucky to get the Hellboy movie that we got. You know what I mean? Like we were lucky to get that movie, and. Um, uh, I, think they, I think they gave him free reign on this one. So. And I think that with Pan's Labyrinth being as successful as it was, hopefully he'll have gotten a little bit more breathing room to, to give us the actual Hellboy. He may have not been able to totally give us in part one where like that, that, that human protagonist that they've pushed, pushed yeah, into the BPRD didn't work. Like We wanted to be with Hellboy. Yeah. We wanted to be with an active protagonist, and there really wasn't... I felt like the protagonist role was shared... Mm-hmm. Kind of the problems with the prequels too. Like, yeah. like you don't know really who the main character is, who am I following, and what does he have to accomplish by the end of the movie? Yeah. So by the time Hellboy gets to the bad guy, you haven't been with him enough to really feel the the, the drama of him possibly getting killed by this thing. Yeah. And plus, he kills the thing in like five, five seconds. seconds. Yeah. Just throws a. He fights that. He fights that thing in the subway for like yeah. thirty minutes, and then this giant. Pentacle monster, Lovecraft monster, he kills in five seconds, and you're like, and just really? From, from the Hellboy trailer, I'm, I'm curious to see what the climactic battle is going to be, because right. they, they seem to show three separate kind of enemies. Yeah, so I'm not there's, sure. the, there's the prince, the elf prince. Yeah, the, the drows. The drows? Yeah. You did some reading. There's the... No, they're not actually drows. Like, <laughs> they do look like the they drows. They look like drows. Then there's the, uh, the big tusk dude. Yeah. The enforcer dude. The guy, oh yeah, that, so that, that's four. Then there's the guy who looks straight out of Pan's Labyrinth, the mm-hmm. crazy eyes on the wings guy. And then there's that big tentacle monster at the end. Yeah, I, I love the big tentacle monsters. I'm Gotta more, love tentacle monsters. Have you seen the Lovecraft monster yet? Which one? Uh, or the, uh, the Cloverfield monster? I haven't, I, I, I'm avoiding. Yes, I'm staying you're like away. me. I don't want to see it. I don't. Like even on the forums, they're like trying to like take stills from the trailer. Like, oh, you can see wings. Like, I don't want. I don't. There, there's that one last trailer for Cloverfield and the scene, the shot where they're hiding in the convenience store, and you can kind of see something through the through the like the silhouette. The silhouette. It looks but like those a, look. Those you look know what like it looks like? Monsters. It looks like it looks like a bear. Yeah. It looks like it's like an evil teddy rock. Like being attacked by little bears. 
which I would be down with. I would be a, I would be down with a gummy bears movie where the gummy bears are bad. Oh, that would be awesome. And they awesome. are jumping here and there and everywhere, and they're taking you with them. Could you imagine that they shoot laser beams out of their chest instead of love? And oh, no, rainbows. that's Care Bears. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm saying gummy bears. Gummy bears. Where they take the roid juice and they jump all over the damn place on yeah. their asses. I used to love taking gummy bears and biting the heads off of one color and mixing them together. So you get like a white head and a red body. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's unique. How, how do you sleep at night? Um, so that that's some movie news. Uh, we're clipping through the show. Uh, I, comic books is something that we talk about uh, on the show. Last week we had Ian on the show and the dude is just... I, love, I, I can listen to that dude talk about comics a lot. Um, this week, I brought some comics home, but they were the same old. You guys really want me to talk about Messiah Complex again? Um, uh, being home kind of gives you a chance to catch up on your reading. And a couple months ago, our good listener, Tyler Copas, sent me a, like a, some anime and some manga because I have some problems with anime and manga. I, I can't totally get into it. And he's like, let me educate you. And that's really what I need. I need somebody to hold me by the hand and bring me into this world. Uh, so he thought it would be a good idea to, to start me up with some uh, Shonen Jump Advanced. And uh, so he sent me book one, which is this Death Note. And so I start reading it backwards, which is how you read manga. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's a story about uh, there's two worlds. There's a human world, and then there's the world uh, with these gods. Okay. Right? And uh, and they're kind of like trickster gods. that They play with us, but they also play with like life and death. Mm-hmm. And there's a death notebook that this one keeps, and he accidentally leaves it in the world of man. Uh-huh. And this uh, kid named Light, this high school kid who is like doing like college prep classes, and he's one of the smartest kids in the nation, finds this death note. And he sees the rules, and the rules are, if you write someone's name into this note, into this notebook, they will die within 40 seconds. That's rough. You have to have their head, their face in your mind when you write their name, so that they will. Uh, so you, you know, I, I can't be like, oh, Brent Moore, and then some other motherfucker dies. I have to right. be literally thinking of thinking Brent of Moore, and then you die. Uh, then you write. That's how, why I wear a mask yeah. always. <laughs> then you write how they how they die, and um, if you don't write how they die, they die of a heart attack, mm-hmm. whatever. So he finds this book, and he's like, okay, and, and he, he he's at his desk, and on the news, you find out this hostage situation going on, and they show the, the image of the bad guy, of the uh-huh. guy who has him hostage, and he goes, this can't be real. Uh-huh. Let me try it. So he, he gets the guy's name, he writes it in the notebook, and then he doesn't write anything else, and he's like watching the TV, watching this live standoff, and then they're like, wait, the hostages are coming out, uh-huh. and they're like, he just died of a heart attack, and they're like, we don't know what happened, he collapsed, uh-huh. and so he's like, oh my God, this notebook works. And the god, this little god that forgot it, came comes in like uh-huh. says, "Listen, it's real. I can't use it anymore because it's in the world of man, you know." So this kid takes it upon himself to start taking out like the top criminals, uh-huh. like on the news, like uh, through the internet. He finds like, I mean, like like a Bin Laden type deal, yeah. you know. So he starts getting like an Interpol starts saying, "What the hell is going on? Like all these dudes that we're trying to catch." Are being found dead, or they're dying in jail, or you know these these killers, these people we we want out of society. So um, they've hired a detective to find out the cause of these sudden deaths, you know. And uh, so I'm reading this book. It's kind of cool. It deals a little bit with like the morality of vigilantism right. to that degree, where you're just killing dudes, and there's no way they can catch you yeah. unless you advertise, which I wouldn't. I would just kind of stick up there in my room, and one one day Gilmore would fall over, and nobody would, <laughs> nobody would be no more, you know, nobody would be the wiser for it. So 
I'm enjoying it. I think it's cool. And, um, dude, Tyler, thanks. Like, yeah. if, if I'm not doing enough on the show, like, covering enough stuff, help me out. Like, educate me, you know? There's tons of people who sign up on the forums who are like, I don't know superhero books. Give me the superhero oh, yeah. books. all the time. You know, we have the, one of those threads, like, once a month. Yeah. And that's what we're here for. But and the it's answer a is street. Invincible, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Invincible is a solid book. But um, it's a two-way street, so if you guys are, aren't getting what you need out of me, knowledge-wise... Throw, throw me some know-how. Actually, about um, maybe a year ago, uh, my friend told me about this. He, uh, his name's Daniel. He was uh, into the anime adaptation of it. He didn't actually read the mangas. He watched uh-huh. the show. And uh, he was really into it and like just was dying. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. Did you do it? I never did. No. I, I just, like anime and me, we parted ways many years ago. Mm-hmm. I was part of the anime club in high school. That's yeah. how I rolled. I rolled yeah. deep in that. And it got me into Miyazaki. And Miyazaki has a new film coming out this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with Miyazaki. But, like, just anime in general, like, I used to be up on it, you know. Right. I would watch, like, the Cowboy Bebops and the Berserk and Escaflone, all that stuff. How are we doing on time? 33. Oh, that's how much it's, it's on there already? Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're rocking. Um, yeah, I'm actually really excited. Like, when a Miyazaki comes out, I'm really mm. excited. But then you find out stuff like Tokyo Godfather. I saw that, in the, and I was like, oh, man, I kind of want to check this out. Not it's, so much. It's hours in the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I will, guys. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to do a TV show about a dog with superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> An <laughs> STD sniffing dog. What I like is that they're going to think that that's what the show's really about. <laughs> it's like. You should sell it like that. I think, I think people would be I, down I think with that's it. what. I mean, it's things like that that are easy to say and like, yeah. a, like an executive. Like picks up on it, and it's like, oh, that's easy, because because yeah. you can say it in a sentence, and you can put it in an ad or something. It's, and it's easy, an easy for people joke. to understand STD smelling dogs. You know what I mean? But it's, I would like to think that it, there's so much more there. Yeah. <laughs> Not too much more there because it's me, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's I, I'm pretty excited for 2008. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, we'll too. see how long the writer's strike is because we can't really do anything with it until the writer's strike ends, which is the the, the rule. Um, so we talked uh, video games, or we talked comics, we talked movies, um, video games. Uh, speaking of like manga and anime type stuff, I picked up this Wii game called Zack and Wiki, the uh, quest for Barbara's treasure, and I got it for Laura. Um, this is a little game where you're a little pirate boy, mm-hmm. and you have this. I'm very interested in this. Game yeah, you have this Wiki. Wiki. Mm-hmm. It's a little yellow monkey thing with a propeller tail. Okay. And you are a sea pirate, and you're all about the treasure. And the story opens when you're in a ship, or like a plane, and you're going to, I guess, this this island where there's supposed to be a fabled ship. Yeah, you have to construct your own parachute right off the bat. Well, right? well yeah, like yeah. you're in this you're in this ship, and this giant gunship run by the bad pirates, led by this this lady with a big like like uh, she takes lipstick lipstick and like puts it on a scar on her face and she and it's like and it's all ma- it's all like anime yeah. type flash imagery and stuff and she's got these little skull guys she jumps they jump on your ship and they start smashing with hammers and your ship starts going nuts and yeah. the little your little pirate pilot who's like a, a rabbit you're part of the, the the sea pirates that's your okay. that's your gang uh he's he like jumps ship and so Can't you, trust rabbits. so you're stuck in this plane that is going down and it's going to crash and so you have to take the Wii remote and you have to kind of search around the screen totally in the same way that you did in those old 
LucasArts, Sierra Games, where you basically have to go item hunting and then yeah. use a different combination of the items to solve the problems and the puzzles in the game. Which I think the Wii like would just be awesome to like revitalize that. In the DS? Yeah. Something that's like touch based or you know uh, sensor based where you have to move something around the totally. screen. Uh, My brother just got back into the uh, uh, Curse of Monkey Island games, so I've been those games been hanging out with Guybrush lately. Are perfect. Yeah, uh, and I kind of wanted Laura to kind of like get into that kind of stuff, so I got her to this game, and and a second player. So I, I'm on this I'm on this plane that is going down, and little monkey's trying to talk to me. He's like, "Hey, you're an idiot," and I'm mm. like, "Dude, chill." And Laura's playing, and she's she's picking up boxes and searching for a way to get off this this plane, and uh, and. Me, the second player, I can take this, the second remote and draw pictures, like be like, hey, why don't you try that and highlight different parts of the screen yeah. or draw little lines and stuff. Uh, so we end up pulling the, pulling the, the back uh -huh. open, uh, you know, pulling the lever that opens the back of the plane. We jump out and we don't actually have a parachute. Luckily, a lot of the boxes open up and they're spilling with us and uh, there's an umbrella. So, of course, mm -hmm. you get the umbrella and uh, you take a look at it, like you examine the item, uh -huh. and the button to open an umbrella has a two on it. And if you look on the Wii remote, there's a one in the uh -huh. two buttons at the bottom, and you have to press the two buttons That's to awesome. open the umbrella. So the items that you find in the game, like I found, like later in the game, there was a puzzle with some cannibals, mm -hmm. and they listen to a certain little tune because one of them has a flute. Okay. You put, have to put the cannibals to sleep, and one of them drops the flute. And the flute will put the fire out to get the treasure. Uh -huh. So you know how those puzzle games work. Yeah, where there's yeah, yeah. like a series. The flute looked like a Wii remote. Uh -huh. And when I saw the the like the like music sheet, it had a uh, it had different buttons from the Wii remote that I had to press in One, order two, and, and use the Wii remote almost as a flute. You use the Wii remote as a saw. You, so it's there's some yeah. mini game aspects to it, but it is the closest. I've seen in a long time to being one of those old school adventure games. I will definitely check it out then. It's forty bucks yeah, too. It's a budget price game, so it's ten bucks cheaper than a regular Wii yeah. game. Uh, and basically, and from what I've read, it's a real challenge. Like so far, it's starting to get a little tougher. Yeah. Uh, it, but it's funny. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> as much as this game sounds fun right now, it's actually really damn funny. When when I jumped out of this damn plane, I'm sitting there falling to my death. Little motherfucker starts eating a candy bar. <laughs> like, I was like, what? what else are you going to do? He's just like, <laughs> eating a chocolate bar. And I'm like, it's those little touches of humor yeah. that what, that were what made those funny games, like Day of the Tentacle, Sam and Max, Hit the Road, like all those cool LucasArts games. Have you tried the, the always had Sam and Max funny stuff. I haven't because I don't have a PC. Yeah. And they have like a deal with Gamefly where mm -hmm. you, you have to be a Gamefly member to play it on your PC oh, or Game what? Tap, maybe? Game Tap. I can't remember what it is. And... Uh, I'm not. I don't play games enough to have that subscription service. Right. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, you can buy it as as a single season now, and it's like twenty, thirty bucks. Is it available for Mac? Probably. Or PC? You can check it out. I it. I don't want to promise you, but if you promise me and you're wrong, I will cut you. Yeah, I will not promise you. I'm uh, go ahead and say no, so you'd be pleasantly surprised if it is. I yeah. I mean, the, the, this is just a cool game, and and I've been starved for that kind of game for the last what ten years when the last mm -hmm. one came out. So. Uh, I definitely recommend it to anybody who has a Wii and wants that kind of experience. And plus, it's a cool game to play with two people because uh, the stages are kind of single screen, two 
dimensional stages where somewhere in there is a, is a treasure chest and your goal is to get to the treasure chest and get a piece of this fabled pirate that you have to put together. So mm -hmm. you have to collect all those pieces that are in these treasure chests and there's puzzles all over these little maps and you have to slowly work your way through the map in order to get to the puzzle. So there's a little bit of lemmings to it yeah. as well. Um, game is game is definitely a breath of fresh air, and it came out of nowhere. It wasn't like one yeah, of these huge tentpole games. It's one of those. There's another game uh, that I wanted to mention. I mentioned it on the boards. What was it? It's uh, it's called The Witcher. It's for the PC, so you're yeah, kind of out of luck cool. here. But uh, it's another one. It's just like it's such a good game. It's like an RPG, kind of like Baldur's Gate, or you know, kind of the old school Bioware Black Isle uh -huh. games. And uh, it's it's just done so well. And after Mass Effect was a little bit disappointing. You like, weren't into it. I was into it. Like, it's a good game. I recommend it. But it's just, like, it should have been so much better. It's not up to, like, Knights of the Old Republic. Do you think, did you use the wrong story path, do you think, or what? No, no, no. I don't think it's a story problem. It's a, it's a gameplay problem. It's just, uh, I don't know how much time we have. I don't want to go into it too much. I think we're doing fine. 19 minutes left. 19 yeah. minutes Plus left? Yeah. We're good? Yeah. Uh, the problem with Mass Effect is it kind of suffers from personality disorder. Like, it doesn't quite know what kind of game it wants to be. It's, uh, like, the battle, the way it sets up its, its combat system, it kind of wants to marry the, the turn-based kind of pause and plan out your thing that, like, Knights Old Republic had. But it also has this kind of Gears of War third-person shooter thing. That's what I was wondering, because I knew that there was some kind of action element to it. Yeah, and, and so you don't quite know how to play the game. And it doesn't help you at all in that respect. It doesn't tell you, there's no tutorial, there's no, you're just kind of figuring out as you go along. And uh, just that gameplay element, once you get the hang of it, it's okay, but you never really feel like you're in control of these battles. You don't feel like you're really planning them out, and they all kind of play out in the same way. Um, and the inventory mis uh, system is a mess. You just get so many items, and there's no easy way to go through them and kind of divide them. Um, I've heard com yeah, complain about the inventory system. Yeah, it's just... Did you beat the game? I beat the game, um, and I will probably beat it again and go through it and just be a complete dick. Because that was kind of the, oh, you were the virtuous character. So there, there are different endings depending. Like Fable, there's different no, there's, endings depending on... I think on the ending is the same no matter what you do. Because it's, it's just, bleeding. It's part of a trilogy. Yeah. So you kind of have to... Uh, I mean, Bioware was talking about how the second game was going to use the same save file mm -hmm. as this game. Yeah. And we, I, I'm sure that would go along with that. That drove me nuts in like those old games like King's Quest and yeah. stuff like that. where I'd, I, Or like those old role-playing games like an Ultima or something mm -hmm. like that. Where... You'd use the same character, you'd get him to a certain point, but then you'd lose everything at the beginning of the, yeah. of the second game. I think the Heroes Quest games tried to use the same save file for all of them so that the accomplishments and the stat points that you built up through the first game, mm -hmm. you'd, you'd start the second game with somebody comparable. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I like that. I mean, I, I'm not opposed to that system. Like, but the game itself, it's flawed. Yeah, and, um, and all those things. I mean, the game itself, is, it's, it's kind of funky, like just playing it. But the, you can deal with it. You can work around it. You can get used to it. The thing that really kind of sucks about it is, like, you come to expect from Bioware and from these RPGs in general, like, this massive story that takes, you know... That's what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I almost didn't... I, I didn't get the game because I was like, I'm never going to have enough time no, to really is, experience like, this. If you just focus on doing the main quest, you will beat the game in, like, 13 hours, which is short for yeah. really any game. Um, and if you do all the side quests, you can bump it up to 30 hours. But the side quests are pretty awful. Like, they're, just, they're usually fetch quests. They all kinda, they're all the same thing. You have to drive this stupid car over these planets. It's just all filler. 
Like no, like you go to these planets to explore, <laughs> and like the the mechanics for driving this car are like Pain ridiculous. In the ass. Yeah, and you just have to drive over these mountains and find minerals, and like it's just really boring, and it's all just like it's just padding the length of the game. And so really, all like the only thing that's compelling is the main quest, and you can just rust through that really fast. But this Witcher game that I'm that I kind of oh, want, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you guys to check it out. It's, it's kind of the antithesis of that. It's this really long game with some really like compelling choices that you have to make as a character and you can see how it manipulates the game and what changes is about? it. What is about? Now what's the story? All right, you're you're a witcher, which I don't know if that's a real word or not. Is is that uh, like a wigger? No, it's not okay. like a wigger. Okay. Um, but you're this you're kind of a uh, this pale skin kind of you know, you got pale skin, you got this uh, white hair, you kind of look dead and you're a bounty hunter essentially that kills monsters. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how somebody with white hair and like yeah. pale skin can hide in places. Yeah, in the shadows. And uh, they're kind of looked down upon. That like they're kind of yeah, because he's got like, scurvy. Yeah, but they're not needed. Like the world has moved okay. on from the Witchers. Okay, they've actually evolved in. Yeah, people like they have governments, they have organizations and armies that can. So they're kind of Jedi cities. style. Yeah. Okay. And so like, why do why do you need a bounty hunter? Why should we pay this guy to kill monsters when we can handle it ourselves? Kind of deal. And so you're this Witcher, and you've kind of woken up from. Something that I'm not quite sure yet. You don't remember anything. You're kind of re-meeting all these characters uh, as you go along the game, and uh, I'm probably 15, 20 hours into it. And it's just now and starting it's just be- to open up. It's just up. beginning. Like it's just motherfucker. Where do you have the time to play this game? Where do you play? Where, where do you live? I live in Big Spring, Texas. That that'll do it. That's that's it. He, you live in the setting of of uh, of No Country for Old Men. Yes, I absolutely do. <laughs> like I watched the movie in Odessa, which plays a part in the uh, in the film. It's just it's just wide open barren land, and so lots of video games going on. <laughs> um, but, the, but it's good. And, and it's good. And, I, like, and what's if, the what's the role play? It's role playing. Yeah, like if you're a what fan. Was the, what's of, the game mechanics? Like, how is this different than like? Well, it's it's not like uh, uh, the best way to describe it is if you're a fan of the old games. Only if you played like Baldur's Gate yeah, or yeah, uh, yeah. Planescape. Torment. So it's, it's it's so it's a kind of a yeah, it's a, kind of an isometric view and like. Yeah, right. You just kind of point and click, and you can control it basically all with your mouse. And uh, I really like would compare it to Planescape Torment, those of you who know that game. Because you can't alter your character. You're this guy. You're this a witcher named uh, Geralt. Like, you can't manipulate him in any way. Just like in Planescape, you were that zombie dude. Uh, and just the mechanic of it is very similar. So if you're into those games, check out The Witcher, really. Because it, it's, it's getting no coverage. Is there a way to play it with other people? No, it's, it's not, not like an MMO. It's not or multiplayer like, at all. Oh, it's online. a complete single-player experience. Okay. So that might drive some people away, but I recommend it. That's uh, my contribution. <laughs> do, do you mind if we have David sit in your seat? I guess so. For a second, and um, he's going to tell me why here, these board games are yeah. So much now better. David here has a, a, a. I think it's a pretty good gripe. Um, go ahead and stand up. Let's have David sit down. Go ahead and and, and check with the camera there. Um, let me hook you up. This is this is my brother David. Um, he is married Hello. to my he, he he is married to my sister Michelle, and they are totally all about the board games. Absolutely. Many of us who have like the Wii, the the Xbox, mm-hmm. the PS3, we think that that board games <coughs> means B O R E D. Yeah, and we get that a lot. We're not down with that. We get that a lot. But I mean, we played. You guys 
had me play Settlers of Catan with you guys yeah, yeah. like before it was like on Xbox or I knew anything about it, mm -hmm. and uh, it was fun. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm, I'm not going to uh, diss uh, the computer games much at all. I mean, there's the I want you to fight there. him. Oh, okay, okay. You guys are just horrible. You're demonic. You've taken people away from uh, a great social social interaction. Social interaction. Uh, you're, social interaction. You're, you're the main cause the way, for destroying society. Is that yeah, so, social interaction in, in yeah, playing board is, games this is basically board means being in the back room of a comic shop or in like your mom's basement, playing your friends and eating Doritos. Like, oh, that, that's the that, classical <laughs> view. Now those are the role players. Don't don't confuse us with them. Okay. But I don't know. We're 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 pretty close. I'm sorry. The yellow stained fingers. fingers. Oh, Mountain Dew. You've left out Mountain Dew. That's the most <laughs> essential part of it is Mountain Dew. You have to have Mountain Dew. So, so you, you go to like shops and play? Like you have people Not really. Over? Well, our, our group, I mean, people do these in different settings now. Uh, I haven't done a lot of this okay. lately, but uh, okay. Okay. I, miniatures players, people who do like the miniature war games where they have like the big, huge armies, be it fantasy, be it World War II, be it uh, ancients, most of the time you're going to find them at conventions. You're going to find them in the... Uh, big shops doing those kind of things. Uh, the groups that I've been uh, associated with lately, you'll you know, sometimes you'll find them at conventions. We just had a big convention up in Dallas, Board Game Geek Convention, a huge. It's becoming a big mecca convention for uh, board What's games in America. Board Game Geek Con. Okay. Based on the the, the website Board Game Geek. But and you're part of a group. Do you guys have like a website or something? Uh, we have a Yahoo group. We're called Gamers Without Borders. And there's a, a whole story behind that. I don't know if I'd have the time to go into, but ba well, you basically, send board games to Africa. Huh? You send board games to Africa. Um, I don't know if we got an audience there yet. I okay. think really, uh, there, it'd be more effective if we send to Germany. Actually, Germany is sending most of the games over. Germany actually is where where a lot of this, a lot of the uh, the industry is right now. Do you think that is because they try and build these maps for a future Nazi takeover? <laughs> like, do you think that they're developing like strategic systems? Oh, I don't know. I'd love to hear. Uh, we, we actually have a German German board gamer in our group, uh, Christoph. I'd love to hear his reaction. Is he to pretty it, good? Oh, oh, he's he's really. Good. He's like he, first you yeah. take out like. If, He's like this, all about the strength of Deutschland. And uh, that's right. He's taking that's, out that's Belgium. To, that's totally Kristoff. To uh, we had, we had, uh, we I'll had, take Poland first. It's like, why did you take that move? Yeah, we had a, we had an interesting interaction on our Yahoo group. Uh, one of the guys was talking about a board game. Uh, I forget I forget the name of it. There's so many out there. But this was about the Battle of Britain, about mm -hmm. uh, you know the bombing raids. And, uh, and he said he made some comment. And this was not Kristoff. It was another guy. He said... Yeah, I had a hard time with those Weasley Krauts, and he writes back, Oh, sorry, Christoph, I didn't realize you were out there. <laughs> and he has Emus spelled Krauts upon, on top of that. Oh, how dare you. Yeah, how dare you. So, um, what are some of the big games that you've been playing? Like like Carcassonne? Well, those are some of the classics. Carcassonne, okay. uh, Ticket to Ride is another big one out there, which, I mean, these are not necessarily the ones that I play. Uh, my personal favorites are anything that deal with... Um, History. Either history, yes, ancient medieval is my favorite. Uh, something that has either a military or political context to it. There are guys, in the group, like we have one guy in our group who's all about economics. And there's a. So he likes Monopoly. Well, Do you I. you play Monopoly? I have played Monopoly. Okay. Yeah, I have played Monopoly. His one. favorite is one called Age of Steam, where it's, it's all about developing train networks. It's like an indus industrial revolution. Industrial, exactly, those kind of things. So, you know, there's there's lots of different uh, aspects of these games. There's um, Like you have, I'm sure, like in the video game industry, you have theme. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. You know, what kind of theme are you doing? And then you have mechanics. What kind of, is, is it a card-based game? Is it a game that involves dice? 
there are some game authors out there that uh, I think are just, they're horrible. They just, what they'll do is they'll develop a great mechanic system and they'll just tack on a theme. Okay, mm -hmm. it's just, okay, well, this will be about dice and some of the cards will affect it. But, okay, what's the, at the last minute, what's the game about? Ancient Egypt. Okay. No, this one's about space. And it's not really conducive to the gameplay mechanics at all. Well, and some people don't mind that. Some people are all about the mechanics. Uh, I'm a sucker for theme. Mm -hmm. if, it, if it's a game about, as I mentioned earlier, if it's a game about ancient medieval politics and war, I'm all about it. Right. I'll buy it. But it has to fit into it. But there are some, like, they'll, it'll just basically be uh, uh, poker. But they put, like, okay, instead of, you know, uh, a suit of clubs, they put warriors on it. And you're, all you're doing is you're really, you're still playing poker. It's just with prettier cards. And I'll look at it, and it, it's, it won't fool me. It's like, this is poker. Now, within, like, like the, uh, the board gaming world, you know, uh, there, there are cliques within that. Mm -hmm. Are there strip board game, like, like strip poker? Like, are there strip board game Let me game tell you about the game groups? called Pimps and Hoes. Is there a game called Yes, Pimps there's a game called Pimps and Hose. The developer is in Arlington, Texas. He came out and visited with our group. The most normal guy you could ever meet. But what, do you actually have to take your clothes off during no, the No, 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 no. Because a, lot, the point, of these, the point a is, lot of these gamers, you don't want to see them with their clothes it's, off. It's a, it's, a, it's a naughty monopoly that, that crosses over markets and not only sells to the board game market, but also sells to the adult audience as well. That's... I don't know. That, uh, and it's, it's a naughty monopoly. Basically, uh, what you do is you go around the board... And you collect prostitutes. And if, <laughs> if, if, and if somebody lands on, the, on your prostitute, no pun intended, they have, they have to roll a die and they have to pay for the use of your prostitute. That's not so bad. Now, can you pull, like, AIDS and, like, you get, like, diseases? Oh, uh, yes, they do. They have, like, clinics. They have clinic spaces you have to land on and pay the clinic. It's, it's a real basic, basic game. I mean, it's only, it's, uh, I'd only play, it's just only played for shits and but grins you can and buy maybe a little bit of syphilis. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I think you can only buy it on his website. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm pretty but sure, then, but then the motherfucker knows your address. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that's bad. So you can, and the worst thing about that is he'll sell you expansions. There's expansions to this. Oh, like, like, all games, all it? most of the, most of your big games have expansions to them. Settlers of Catan has a million expansions really? to it already. Oh yeah, you got Seafarers Catan, Season Nice of Catan, historical scenarios. Yeah, the board game has millions of expansions I, out there. I played it with you guys, and I played it on Xbox Live, and mm -hmm. I only know this. You know, there's you only saw the tip of the iceberg. Oh jeez. Like, you could spend hundreds of dollars. They just came out with the 10th anniversary. It's, it's miniaturized, and it costs uh, anywhere, well, if you get a good deal online, $300, and uh, you really? buy retail, it's 500 Who buys these games? Ser people who are uh, serious, serious Settlers fans. Um, the most, I'll confess, the most I've ever spent on a game was 80 Ooh, what, what was this game? This game is a game that's out of print. It's called War of the Ring, and, of course, it was based on Tolkien's world. But it, it was expensive because it was out of print? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was expensive out of print, and I bought it. What it was is I, I bought it right before the movie came out, thinking about reselling it, and uh, it never got around good. it. Was it? Well, I still have it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not broken open. It's still in, this, in, the, in mint condition. You're so. waiting for the Hobbit remake. You know what? Maybe I am. That, that'll be the excuse I use today. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think the, the, the big difference between these games is uh, not just the, the social aspect, but like, you know, a video game, you can... You can engage yourself for just 15 minutes mm -hmm. and piece together, like, the hours it takes to, to play the game fully. Like, you can piece it together over a course of months. But with a board game, you really, you set, a, you set aside an evening. Yeah. Maybe sometimes a day to play these games. It depends. Yeah, the, the ones that they call gamers games can definitely take up to uh, eight hours. Sometimes uh, people will leave them set up project games. They'll leave set up and uh, they'll have to come back to over a period of a week, a month. 
What's the longest game that you've been a part of? Oh, that I can remember probably about eight hours. Oh, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. You can actually shower in that. Yeah, you absolutely. <laughs> like you can go eight hours without showering. Yeah, so some of these like 24-hour marathon motherfuckers, like, come on. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's uh, I definitely definitely have to take time out to shower, but uh, I think probably my ideal time for a game, I like games that probably three, three and a half hours. That's a good game. But uh, there are some people in our group, they cannot stand anything past about an hour, hour and a half. That would be me. Yeah. We're at 56 minutes. We're at, uh, yeah, so... How do you feel? Do you feel like you've, you've educated my audience enough on board games? What do you? What, what, a, what should they go out and do? Uh, it's such a big. If, if they're interested in board games, well, um, where would you send them? Where would I send them? Uh, probably go out buy, buy a copy of Settlers of Catan. That's that's a good uh, intro uh, entry level game. If they like that, uh, you know, also see if there's a board game convention. Most of the conventions will have some board games at them. That's where I would begin. And are there websites and things like that dedicated? Boardgamegeek.com. That's where you, they, you hang out there all the time? Oh, uh, you're one of yes, the big guys. Yes, I, I, I definitely hang out there a lot. Before I buy a game, I'll go on there, check its ratings and that kind of thing. And it's uh, people who play board games, they contribute actively to the site. It's boardgamegeek.com. Boardgamegeek.com. Um, so that is our episode so far, but we got to tell you guys about a couple things. Um, you guys may have noticed that Teddy Ruxpin's here. Um, Teddy Ruxpin was uh, our good friend Brent Moore's favorite gift from christmas as a kid uh there's a picture of him that i'm going to scan and put on the uh on the episode right now of him opening this as a kid that is part this is part of our contest that we're doing um recently we interviewed uh one of the animators of the futurama film uh, bender's big score that was rough draft studios they did that movie uh and they've given us three copies of the new simpsons movie dvd we're going to give them out but to do it You've got to take an old photo of yourself or a video of yourself from Christmas and put it up on the Geekscape board, YouTube it, something. Uh, the best three will win. There, you know, if you don't have a video or if you don't have a, a photo, it's Christmas. Fake it, you know, or even go further and Photoshop it and make it really damn funny. Basically, at the stroke of midnight on January 1st, I'm going to go on this forum I'm going to go to the geekscape.net slash forums, forums, and I'm going to say, okay, let's bring up this thread for the contest, and I'm going to, and whichever posts make me laugh the hardest, those three people are going to get DVDs, all right? So even if it takes you Photoshopping stuff, just make my ass laugh with the theme of opening Christmas presents. So make, make me laugh. You'll get yourself a Simpsons DVD, and uh, that'll be our little gift to you. Um, also, if you guys want to be a part of uh, Geekscape, of course, we mentioned the forums. We've got the upcoming website. You can also join us on MySpace, myspace.com slash geekscape.net. Go on Facebook and search for Geekscape. We have a group. And uh, join it. Be our friend. And uh, what else am I not mentioning? Uh, I mentioned MySpace. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You can also get a T-shirt like the one I'm wearing at geekscape.net. Just click on the online store. And uh, we got green T-shirts, black T-shirts, tote bags, and every order comes with a free pin. And, um, yeah. They do make great Christmas presents. Obviously, you're a little late this year, so um, whatever. You're a jerk. It happens. That's why you're watching this show. <laughs> I've probably turned you into a jerk over things, don't you think? I want to worship the devil. He definitely brings back memories. Really? What kind of memories? Absolutely. I, I never had one of those, but I just remember back was it uh, 
When did, when did, when did this thing came out? When did Side Rock thing come out? I I'm guessing 84? Yeah. 85? Yeah, I just remember the commercials they had for yeah. them. And Are you crying? You're going to cry. <laughs> I promised myself I wouldn't. Why is he missing a jaw? Did you try and poke him in the mouth? No, man. It's just, they're hard to take, them, uh, take care of. It's, I threw him around a little bit. It's okay. You sure? A little bit of abuse. Oh, my gosh. You abused your His titty caution workman. sticker is still on the back. The though. caution sticker is? Yeah. ASPCA notification <laughs> yeah. number. Yeah. What I like is that you described, you were like, this is the worst teddy bear in the world because it's like a brick wrapped in blankets. <laughs> <laughs> you can't cuddle with the thing. Um, but throwing it at your sister, you're definitely going to do some damage if you connect. So, thank you, Teddy, for being here. Thanks, thanks a lot, Dave. And thank you. Uh, thanks a lot, Brent. Thank you. Just wave to our audience. This is Brent. We're wishing you a happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. It, you know, you could be worshiping Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. If you are, I'm sorry, I'm offended. Um, we will see you guys next week in the new year.